Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And good morning to you. Thank you for checking out another edition of the State of the Saints podcast. Uh, want to say I really do appreciate you for spending your Monday morning with yours truly. Uh, it's a victory Monday. It's been nine consecutive uh, victory Mondays in the Who That Nation and I really do appreciate your time. A uh, special shout out to everybody following into the chat. And if this is your first time checking out the video, this is the most interactive New Orleans Saints podcast that you are going to find on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, wherever you're listening or viewing this video, uh, you're going to find that out. And hopefully this won't be your last time. OK, and um, also want to give a shout out to everybody that may be a Philadelphia Eagles fan, probably coming to check out the video as well. I um, want to welcome them. I know a couple of Philadelphia Eagles fans have uh, been watching the uh, State of the Saints podcast, and uh, I really do appreciate that. Uh, on this edition, we're going to be giving our final thoughts about uh, the New Orleans Saints uh, Week 13 game versus the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints are a historic rivalry. Uh, this is a bitter rivalry. Uh, Falcon fans do not like the Saints, and it is vice versa. Uh, the Saints swept. The Atlanta Falcons this season, okay, uh, they beat them twice. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, <laughs> will not be making the playoffs. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, once again, uh, will be going through a head coaching change. I think this may be, if I'm not mistaken, I think this may be the third head coaching change uh, since Sean Payton uh, has been the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, may, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, I think. Maybe uh, Jim Mora Jr. was here when he first got here. Then Mike Smith was here. And then after Mike Smith, uh, it was, you know, Dan Quinn. So this is going to be, uh, you know, they, what they fought. They fought head <laughs> coach change. And um, look, I want to say this. I want to make this perfectly clear. I want to make this perfectly clear. And I, I don't care how it sounds or to anybody that may be an Atlanta Falcons fan. The Atlanta Falcons... Atlanta Falcon fan base need to understand this. The Saints and the Falcons are not even a rivalry anymore. I, I'm just going to be real with you. The New Orleans Saints have, have dominated the Atlanta Falcons over the past 15 years. The only people that feel like the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints are on the same level are Atlanta Falcons fans. They're the only ones. Nobody that really believes that loves football, that follows football, that, that has a great take, would believe that the Atlanta Falcons are a threat to the New Orleans Saints. Each and every year, the Atlanta Falcon fan base files into the chat, infiltrate groups of the New Orleans Saints, infiltrate Facebook groups, talking about how they're going to dominate the Saints. Somebody please tell me when in the last 15 years have the Atlanta Falcons dominated the Saints? The answer is they haven't, okay? The New Orleans Saints, if I'm not mistaken, the Saints have swept the Atlanta Falcons eight times in the last 15 years. The Saints' overall record against the Atlanta Falcons is 21-9 to in the last 15 years. The only thing the Atlanta Falcon fans are holding on to is that two-game lead that they have, they hold so dear to try to combat anything that New Orleans Saints fans say to them. They can't talk about 
winning a Super Bowl because they never won one. They can't talk about playoff appearances over the last couple of years because they haven't been there. They can't talk about elite quarterback play because their quarterback play kind of wavers. The Saints have been steady in this division for the past 15 years, and Atlanta Falcon fans can't stand it. I get it, right? We have been beating and slapping y'all around for the last 15 years, and the only thing that y'all can do to combat that is talking about an overall lead or what happened before the 15 years. I keep telling everybody, 15 years is a long time. I don't know why people making it seem like 15 years isn't a long time. 15 years is not a long time to people that is going on the receiving end of the butt whooping. You know what I'm saying? It, that's that's who that's what 15 years doesn't mean much to. Okay. That's why they have to go back in time. They got to go back in time and start talking about before Sean Payton and, and, and Drew Brees got here. But guess what? They're here now. And they've been here for the last 15 years and they have dominated you all. This isn't even a rivalry like to me anymore. That is why I went on the show of the Atlanta Falcons Forever I Love Atlanta Sports podcast and I said with my whole chest that the Saints don't even look at the Falcons as a threat I don't look at the Falcons as a threat Saints fans don't look at Falcon fans as a threat and I don't get why they constantly feel like they're on the same level as the Saints I really do not understand it they talk about Matt Ryan Matt Ryan has been getting slapped around by the Saints you talk about Julio Jones Julio Jones has been Slapped around by the Saints. They talk about some of these teams. They have been getting manhandled. I keep telling Atlanta Falcons, you are not that relevant, dude. You guys are only relevant when you play the Saints. Y'all in a division with a certified Hall of Fame, a first ballot. We ain't got to dispute it like they're going to do with Matt Ryan. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer we talk about with Drew Brees. And that's the reason why you guys are on television. That's the reason why you getting primetime slots. Most of the time, it's because when you're playing the Saints, okay? Y'all wouldn't get no game on Thanksgiving. Y'all wouldn't be getting no games mostly in prime time. You get that attention when you're playing the Saints. That, that's just all there is to it. Nobody checking for no Falcons. I, I'm serious. The Falcons are the laughing stock of the National Football League. The New Orleans Saints, when they start talking about the Saints, they start talking about elite quarterback play, elite coaching. The first thing they start talking about when they talk about the Falcons is a 25-point lead blown in the Super Bowl. Talk about how they gave up a big lead against the Dallas Cowboys. And then they followed that up the next week, giving up a big lead. And then they followed it up again, giving up a big lead. The Atlanta Falcons, I'm sorry, but I got to tell you like it is, you are not a threat to the New Orleans Saints. If you want to talk about the Carolina Panthers, maybe we can talk, okay? The Carolina Panthers, to me, have been that robbery, you know what I'm saying? That that team that has been winning the division and then the Saints winning the division. And, you know what I'm saying? That's that's has been a robbery. The the Atlanta Falcons are about a notch above the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the past 15 years. So the way I look at it, this is not even like this isn't even worth talking about anymore. Y'all can keep on talking, you know, and running your mouth and talk about what y'all gonna do to the Saints every year. We hear y'all talking. But the Saints are something that you all will never be. They are a well-structured organization, and they don't have to worry about if this player get hurt or that player get hurt. I heard people talking about, oh, man, what, man, y'all y'all had the same coach. You know what that means? 
that means that they have stability. That's the reason why we've been having the same coach over the last 15 years, and that's the reason why you guys are the basement dwellers of the NFC South right now. That's the reason why y'all at the bottom of the totem pole in the NFC South because nobody is checking for the Atlanta Falcons. So the only thing Atlanta Falcon fans can do right now, coast to coast, is just sit back in their easy chair and pray. Hold a four-leaf clover, hold a lucky rabbit's foot, and hope that the Saints slip up so they can get a good laugh because that's the only way they can get any type of, you know what I'm saying, any type of joy or praise because we all know that it won't be happening on a Sunday when they play the Saints, on a Thursday when they play the Saints, on a Saturday at a special time when they play the Saints. We all know that it ain't going to happen. So Atlanta Falcons, enjoy yourself. Enjoy being the basement bottom dwellers that y'all are and bow down to the kings of the NFC South. But let's talk about this game. Um, I think that the New Orleans Saints offensively did a good job in the first half. Uh, Taysom Hill, I think he quieted a lot of critics, okay? There was a lot of people talking about how the dude couldn't throw the football. They had a lot of people that's talking about how this guy can't get the ball to the receivers. They talked about how he was just depending on one receiver, and that was Michael Thomas. He distributed the ball to about six receivers in this game. I mean, he saw the field really well. He really had a, a good little handle on when to run, when to throw the football. He was patient in the pocket in the first half. The only issue that I have with Taysom Hill is ball security. When he becomes a runner, you got to hold on to the football. Those eight fumbles are crucial. And when it's time to play in the playoffs, we don't want to see this no more. We ain't checking for this no more. We don't need this in our life. We are tired. As Saint fans, we are tired of watching these guys do stuff like this in a regular season and choke it all away in a postseason. We need consistency. We need him to hold it high and tight, okay? We need him to hold on to that ball like he hold on to his wife at night. That is what we need from Taysom Hill. All, overall, he did a really good job. And I think the reason why Taysom has done a good job is because he has another assistant coach on the sidelines, which is Drew Brees, okay? The best games that uh, Taysom Hill has played, Drew Brees has been in the stadium. His worst game? Drew Brees wasn't nowhere to be found. Drew Brees couldn't travel to Denver. And I think it played a huge role in the decision-making that Taysom was making. But Taysom has to learn how to fight another day. You cannot give up the ball in the red zone, and you definitely don't need to be fumbling within four minutes of a game. All right? So if he cleans that up and he holds on to the ball and he lives to fight another day, we may have something here, okay? He's going to become better and better. His confidence is going to start to build each and every week, and I like that. Another thing that I feel like the Saints need to start doing, and I ain't seeing this game, somebody please tell me what the heck happened to Latavius Murray. Because last time I checked, I think Latavius had about 120 yards last week. I mean, he was toting the mail, running a football, man, imposing his will on a Denver Broncos defense. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the guy just didn't exist anymore. It's like he was the Loch Ness Monster Sasquatch. I thought he was here. I, I thought I seen Latavius. He, he might have been here. I think that was a shadow right here. I don't know what was going on. The Saints need to use Latavius Murray. I just don't understand why you don't use Latavius Murray. The guy has proven that he can tote the mail. The guy only fumbled one time in the last two years. You don't have to worry about ball security. Why are we not using Latavius Murray? Why are you not utilizing this guy? 
Why are you just wasting this guy away on the sidelines? If you have a quarterback that can run and you got two running backs that can run in between the tackles, why in the world are you not using these guys? Why are you not using these guys to impose their will to set up the play action for a big play downfield? You got Taysom Hill. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he can get other guys involved. You got one of the best pass catchers and route runners on your team and Emmanuel Sanders that can get behind a defense. Why are you not utilizing him in a good way? Why are you not setting up the play action to have explosive plays? I has not a clue. Sean Payton needs to find a way to get these guys involved and stop being so focused on, oh, I got this brand new toy and I want to show everybody what he can do. Bump all that, man. That is how we get beat every single year in the playoffs because we're trying to experiment and we're trying to reinvent the wheel. Let's stop trying to reinvent the wheel. We are too good as a team. They are too solid. They have all of the pieces that they need in order to make a run. Let's not slip up on little things that can cause this team to get beat. Another thing, the secondary. The secondary, look, everybody's been talking about the secondary over the past 24 hours. And quite frankly, look, people have bad games. I don't know what to tell you. I, I wish I could tell you that every game is going to be perfection. They're going to lock everybody down. Everything is going to be all right every single game, but it does not work like that. And I am sick and tired of people hopping up out of the trees and hopping up out of the woods to tell everybody about the shortcomings of a player in one particular game. Where were you when these guys were dominating? Where were you when these guys were having issues? Where were you in the last four weeks when these guys were atop of pro football focus? Why are we waiting for these guys to be at the lowest point to come out there and just talk about, oh, man, they suck. They suck. I never seen anything like this before in my life. I never seen so much conventional love by a fan base ever. Now, I'm not talking about some of you. Some of you know how to pick your poison. Some of you know how to, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's. But they got to cover y'all out there, man. I got to tell you, I love you, but I can't stand you. I can't stand the way that you analyze football because you love it just from down to down. Week one, I'm winning. Week two, you're a bum. Week three, you a beast. Like, what are we doing here, man? I understand that we want this team to win. But let's let's look at it and let's be transparent about this, okay? Let's look at the overall body of work. Let's look, for example, about Andrews Pete. Andrews Pete gives up a sack. Now, all of a sudden, man, get Pete up out of here. Man, where were you when this man was dominating and, you know what I'm saying, and pushing guys back in the running game? Where were you when Andrews Pete was holding it down, you know what I'm saying, in some of those games before he was giving up sex? All I'm saying is, don't wait for a person to be at their lowest point. I need to see the same type of energy going down timelines week after week. I need somebody to be saying, yeah, they cool now, but the bottom going to fall out soon. Why am I not hearing this? I'll tell you why I'm not hearing it. The reason I'm not hearing it, because you don't want to feel stupid for the way that you feel. So you probably felt like this for weeks, but now it, it, the opportunity presents itself. And now you want to look like, uh, you know, the second coming of Jesus on his sermon on the mountain. OK, you want to proclaim to the world that you knew something that nobody else knew and you seen it coming all along. People have bad games. I don't know what to tell you. And it's not like it was chopped liver. 
that the Saints were going up against at the wide receiver group. I mean, some of you seen Gage play at LSU, right? Y'all seen y'all seen Gage play at LSU. You knew that he was a beast. Y'all seen how Calvin Ridley was dominating LSU most of the time when he was in college, and you darn sure seen Julio Jones doing the same thing. These guys are not scrubs. They are great pass catchers. Sometimes you're going to have guys that are going to make incredible catches. I, I really went back and I looked at some of the deep plays. The coverage wasn't bad at all. I mean, the, the guys were like right there. The receiver just made a better catch. And I can live with that. I can live with that. Because you know why I can live with that, who that nation? Because how many touchdowns did the Falcons score in this game? Now let's go one touchdown, okay? And that came off some penalties. So that tells me right there that the Saints, I can tell you a time where the Saints was giving up big plays, and I mean, a game could have easily got out of hand. These guys been but they did not break. And that is the reason why we have to understand in today's NFL that it's best to bend but not break because there are no elite defenses. Look around the league. Look around the league, who that nation. You don't see the 85 Bears. You don't see the 2000 Ravens. You don't see the, the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom days out there. You know why? Because the rules favor the offense. So if your team actually can bend but not break, that's pretty doggone good. They only gave up one touchdown in this game. Two touchdowns in the last, what, four games? Are you kidding me? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I, I don't know what else to tell you, man. I don't know what else to give you. I don't know what else they can do. These guys, they can get, you know what I'm saying, they're entitled to a bad game. The best thing for us to do is for us to learn from these mistakes. And let's not forget that Patrick Robinson left in the first quarter and Janoris Jenkins, who has been playing outstanding, wasn't even in this game. Those guys matter. Those guys are really beneficial to the success of the team going forward. And those guys were nowhere to be found. We know what P.J. Williams is at the time. He is not a good outside corner. He is nickel safety at best, okay? That is that is what P.J. Williams is. When you see P.J. Williams in a game on the outside, it is going to be trouble. Guys are probably going to be giving up big plays because they got to compensate and help out P.J. Williams in coverage. Let's stop, let's stop acting like, you know what I'm saying, like, if we're not locking people down like Jalen Ramsey every week, then we got a bad defense. Like, come on, man. Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey for a reason. There's a reason why we have those guys that are elite cornerbacks. There's a reason why we, we look at them and, and we re regard them as some of the best at their position. Everybody not going to be like that. Guys are going to give up catches. The wide receivers are really good too, folks. You know what I'm saying? I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we celebrate Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas isn't the only – Great wide receiver in the league. Guys are going to catch passes, man, no matter how good the coverage is, because they built like that, because they have talent. And that's their job to catch the ball in, in, in tough situations, because everything is not going to be wide open. This is not college football. You're not going to see many people get beat by 20 yards. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not just going to be, you know, it's not going to always be that way. And I just need people to understand it. I just need people to understand that, man. Before we jump it out the window with the hot takes all right but let's go ahead and let me go to the chat rudy says i'm glad we won but i admit ridley caught an amazing catch yes i mean go back and look at some of the coverage man it was nip tuck y'all saying like dude was right there calvin really is not a scrub i can live with that 
I don't, I don't see why nobody else can. Like, I think we have this misconception of what cornerback play is supposed to be. You know, if the guy ain't getting like, you know, oh, man, he's shutting them down, man. He ain't getting no catches. That's what we want. You know what I'm saying? Like, if a guy gives up one catch, oh, man, he's having a bad game. Like, come on, man. Like, dudes on the opposite side of the ball at the wide receiver position are really, really good. Uh, PJ good at celebrating. He definitely good at celebrating. No doubt about that. But look, PJ is look, PJ is who PJ is, right? If PJ does certain, he does certain things well. He's a good tackler and he's good in the nickel. And he has he has been pretty decent at the safety position uh, since the Saints have put him there in, in certain situations this season. He is who he is, man. So if he's making a tackle or he you know what I'm saying? Somebody going across the middle and he, he knocks a player, you know, he knocks the ball away. That's kind of like in his comfort zone. So, I mean, we can't really blame a guy if he's if he's out of his position and he's just out there battling, man, and he, and, he, and he giving up plays because that's not where he needs to be. That's not who he is. Hey, TJ, is this Marcus Williams' best season? Dude land some hits. Yeah, he definitely uh, has more confidence in himself. You can tell. Uh, I, I just feel like he's seeing a feel a little bit different. Uh, you can tell now that he worked on his uh, craft in the offseason. He's, he's become a better tackler. Uh, he seems like he's more physical, man. So I just need him to keep it up, man. Look, all that stuff good right now, man. But, like, what you going to do down the line? What you going to do down the line? What are you going to do when it matters most? That That's all I'm saying. St. James says, uh, laughing my A off. People on Twitter saying Breeze is a system quarterback. Some people shouldn't have Twitter. Look, uh, I don't care what anybody's saying about Drew Breeze. Look, the most people most of the people saying that stuff about Drew Breeze is the people that wish they had Drew Breeze as a quarterback. Look, there's some jealousy going on, and I throw people in a Who That Nation understand that now. People hate on the, the, the talent that you have because they wish they actually had a talent, you know. You don't think like like I guarantee you some of them will never admit this, but I guarantee you if the Atlanta Falcons had a choice between Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, I, I guarantee you they'll pick Drew Brees over Matt Ryan straight up. They know it. I know it. If the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I bet you they'll want to take Drew Brees. It's the jealousy, man. They, they're jealous of the consistency of the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, if you look at if you look at the division, right, if you look at the division over the past 15 years, right, look how many coaching changes that happened within this division from Tampa Bay, from Carolina, from Atlanta. And the only thing that's been constant is the New Orleans St. Drew Brees, right? So we don't have the same issues as everybody else. We don't have to worry about where, I, you know what I'm saying, with the coaching carousel or a black, a black Monday or anything like that at the end of the season. We don't worry about that stuff. We just keep going. The wheels just keep on turning, right? We're the business that stays open, you know, while all the businesses around here are changing and gentrification is around here learning this ugly head, okay? We're that same old mom and pop store that refused to move. And that's what people are ticked off about, right? You look at some of these places around here, you know, around the United States, they talk about like out there in Harlem and stuff like that. We talk about gentrification. Let me use this for example. And you got all these businesses. You got the Starbucks. Uh, you got the, you know what I'm saying? You got the edible shop. Uh, you got the, 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 the smoothie shop. But they got that one mom and pop store that's ugly, that don't really fit with anything that's going on right here. And, you know what I'm saying? You're knocking on the door and you're asking people, man, can you please, like, 
uh, we we really want to buy your business and you're like no my business not for sale i'm gonna be here i would i've been here and i'm gonna stay here that's the same way with the new orleans saints i mean all the other businesses all the other franchises are changing and going through the motions but the saints have been that one mom and pop store that refused to budge and refused to leave and they can't stand it because it's that ugly building on, a, on on down the street and it's just an eyesore it's an eyesore to them man because they have to respect the position they got to respect the swag they got to respect the consistency and they cannot stand it that is why they sit in front of their tvs like this and hope and pray that something ha- happens to the saints so they can just click it clack click it clack on twitter to make themselves feel justified i don't care what anybody says if your team is not in the playoffs you feel bad about it you can talk about the team that gets eliminated from the playoffs all you want to if that makes you feel better. But at the end of the day, the Saints are a consistent team. The Saints are a primetime team. The Saints are a relevant team. And you have to latch on like a leech to the, to the skin of the New Orleans Saints in order for you to take the ride with them. I will take the playoffs every single year because you can't win it if you ain't in it. And and then they talking about the Saints and they talking about what the Saints going to do in the playoffs. But the key word who that nation is playoffs It's playoffs. And that's something that these teams and the NFC South have been struggling to do. The Saints has been consistent, man. I'm sorry. The Saints are that mom and pop shop. Uh, Idris says they should put CD and Ridley and Marshawn against Julio. Uh, no, I, I definitely don't agree with that. Uh, Idris, that is a terrible idea. No disrespect to uh, C.D. Deuce, man. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he has been doing an outstanding job this year. He's coming into his own. He is the bully of the secondary, no doubt about that. But I don't want to see him on Kelvin Ridley. That would be a crime scene, okay? I mean, he does he does a good job, you know, guarding the tight ends and the, and the, and the slot receivers. I mean, he, he does a good job with them. But, hey, man, I don't want to see him nowhere near number one or number two receiver. That is going to be a crime scene. No, sir. Not at all. But I respect the hustle. I think he'll go out there and give it the old college try. Uh, but uh, it, it would not end up good for C.D. Deuce in that, <laughs> in that matchup. Uh, Neil says, uh, forget Breeze. I bet Falcons would take Vanilla Vic, Taysom over Ryan. Yeah, I mean, what I learned is, man, you know, quite a few Atlanta Falcon fans don't really care for Matt Ryan. You know, they, they don't really care for him like that. You know, like you got some of them, you know, of course, uh, y'all seen some of y'all that checked out the Forever I Love Atlanta uh, Sports Podcast. As y'all see, you know, they they, they definitely pledging allegiance to uh, Matt Ryan over on that side. Uh, but, you know, you got some of them, man, that that, that really don't like Matt Ryan like that. You know, that, that want Matt Ryan to go. You know, I think T.I. even said that since we talking about rappers, they talk about Lil Wayne. T.I. said, T.I. said, man, Matt Ryan need to get up out of here. So, how you like them apples, okay, for one rapper to another? Since they talk about what uh, Lil Wayne said, you know, so let's talk about what T.I. said. But anyway, man, I'm just kidding around with that. Yeah, but they got a lot of people who uh, feel that uh, Matt Ryan, uh, you know, needs to exit stage left. But I think that Matt Ryan, if we talk about system quarterbacks, I definitely feel like he's one. In the right system, Matt Ryan can get you to the Super Bowl. I, I really believe that. Matt Ryan just needs the right coaching place. But when he doesn't, like, he going to fall off tremendous. Great one says, if the Falcons had Drew Brees, I could guarantee you Julio Jones would not be as hurt as much. Uh, he gets hurt on deep passes. Uh, 
Yeah, Matt Ryan likes to throw. Yeah, that and uh, some of the offensive play calling, man. I just feel like Julio would eat in the same system, you know, and, and I feel like with Drew Brees, you know, I just think that uh, Drew Brees is not going to put the ball in harm's way. I think a lot of times, you know, it's about uh, machismo. You know what I'm saying? It's about that alpha that alpha male type mentality. Uh, guys end up getting hurt. Receivers end up getting hurt because they're just trying to get the ball, you know. And sometimes, you know, that quarterback has to put that receiver in a position to protect himself. You know, that's one thing about Drew Brees, man. Drew Brees doesn't really throw the football uh, where a guy, you know what I'm saying, can take or absorb a hit. He always throws it like on the outside or throw it behind a guy, you know what I'm saying, in order for him to reach in. Drew Brees is always looking out for his receivers, but that comes with practice. That comes with time. So I definitely feel like, you know, if, if he was a Falcon, I don't think Julio would have so many injuries either because I feel like Drew Brees would put him in a position where he can make a choice to try to fight for extra yards or go down, you know what I'm saying, after the catch. So. That, that, that's what I feel about that. Uh, Matt Ryan is good. Uh, we just need a better OC. Uh, look, I, I do agree with that. You know, I said that early. I just feel like Matt Ryan uh, is a is a system guy, you know, and I think people get uh, things misconstrued when you say system. Uh, you you got to understand every quarterback is a system quarterback, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, like, you know, Seattle has a system. Uh, Kansas City has a system. New Orleans has a system. It's about if that system works well for you, okay? I mean, the thing about Matt Ryan is when he does have the right coordinator, he thrives. He thrives, you know? So I just think that uh, he just needs somebody that understands him, uh, understands what he what he's good at, and try to, uh, you know, utilize that. Tyra says, shouts out to JP. Uh, T uh, P said, Man, you did your grown man, uh, on that <laughs> Forever I Love Atlanta podcast. I appreciate that, man. I enjoy myself, you know. Uh, anytime I get opportunity to like to talk sports, I don't want people to get it. Like, I'm not trying to brag on myself, man, but I don't just know Saints football, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm pretty well rounded when it comes to sports, you know. I just have so much passion. Uh, for Saints football, you know, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like if I was to work at a sports station or something like that, I guarantee you like, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll miss a beat as far as like, I think I, I tried to find out and know about every team, every NFL team. I I, I try to know their storylines and follow their players. So, I mean, you never know, though, you know, because you never know when, where the conversation is going to go. Because some people like some of the situations that happen with your team, you probably have to use another team's uh, history in order for you to, you know, prove a point or something like that. For example, you know, I was talking about Tiki Barber on last night edition of the State of the Saints podcast. And I talked about how he had fumble issues early in his career. But later in his career, you know, he fixed it, you know. And I, I said that the same thing needs to happen with Taysom Hill. I think Taysom Hill needs to holler at the running backs coach probably get with somebody like Tavis Murray to help him uh, be able to hold that ball, you know, tight, man. You know, I just feel like you can't be walking around, well, not walking around, running around with the ball, like holding it like it's a loaf of bread, you know, like you can't do that. That's going to get you beat. Over 200 in here on a Monday morning, man, my man killing it. 
Uh, yeah, say Jays, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate it as of right now. It looks like 291. So thank you all very much for being a part of the State of Saints podcast, making making a part of your Monday morning. Uh, cool kid says, uh, one game, Alvin Kamara only had eight carries. Uh, look, I don't. Uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy about that, man. Because number one, <laughs> I think we need to understand this. I, I look, Alvin Kamara does some amazing things. But we have to understand that he is a running back. And I think sometimes we forget that. I think we forget, like, the role of a running back. Yeah, he can catch the ball out of backfield. But isn't it good to know that he can run between the tackles too? Isn't that good to know that Alvin Kamara, if you hand the ball off to him, he can go yard, he can get you those extra yards, he can average about five yards a carry? That's pretty doggone good. You know, because sometimes we're going to need Alvin Kamara to run in between the tackles because sometimes you might go up against that athletic linebacker that might shut down the screen game, might shut down, you know, some of the angle routes that he runs, and they're going to have to count on him to run the football. So in this little Taysom Hill experiment that's going on in New Orleans, I'm glad that I'm seeing Alvin Kamara in more conventional running back formations. You know, I'm glad to see stuff like that because you're going to need that down the stretch, man. I mean, going into the playoffs, you need a running game. Running the running game is going to be very important to the success of the Saints in the playoffs. If they're going to try to make it all the way to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to commit to the run. Uh, your boy Jay says, How do you feel about the Eagles looking to start Jalen Hurts versus the Saints? Well, look, uh, they're not going anywhere, first and foremost. They're not going anywhere, but so what's the point? You know, like go ahead and try to get Jalen Hurts. I mean, you you, you drafted them relatively high. And and I just also feel like Carson Wentz, I just think that his, his confidence is shot. I just think that he needs a change of scenery. Some guys, they have it. They have the ability to make, make plays. They can do some great things. But sometimes they can just be so damaged by an organization that they just need they just need a fresh start. And I just feel like that's the same way with Carson Wentz. I know people may say that Carson Wentz isn't that good. Some people may say that Carson Wentz isn't a, a NFL franchise quarterback. I disagree with that. I think that just like Matt Ryan, I feel like Carson Wentz needs a system that 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 can cater to his strengths. And that's why I feel like very strongly that someone somewhere like the Indianapolis Colts or the New Orleans Saints would be a good spot for Carson Wentz. I would take Carson Wentz as a quarterback because I just feel like Carson Wentz, will be able to do some good things in New Orleans because you don't have to rely on Carson Wentz's ability uh, just to get you over. And you're not going to put anything else around him. You know, like the Philadelphia Eagles, what they struggle with is they just make it the Carson Wentz show, but they they don't put an effort to try to put anything around him. Like Howie Roseman, you know, the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, has, has done a terrible job at getting pieces around him. Yeah, they drafted Jalen Rieger out of TCU, uh, you know what I'm saying, Rieger out of uh, TCU. But, I mean, that's just one piece. What about the running game? What about the offensive line? You got Jason Peters, who about 38, 39 years old. You got him rotating all around the line. You got Jason Kelsey rotating all around the line. You're not going to win games like that, man. It's just very little stability right there, and it's a very short leash. And like I said, this guy needs a change of scenery. It's time for him to go out here and branch out to get in a system that guys actually believe in him. He ain't got to worry about looking over his shoulder because that's how it's always been, man. 
from the time where Nick Foles was there and people clung, uh, you know, saying attached themselves to Nick Foles more so than him. They they felt like Nick Foles was more of a team guy than he was. They put a shrine in the locker room for Nick Foles over him. And then after that, the organization gives you a big contract, but then turns around and drafts a guy who is who is relatively successful and well-known in college to be your backup. So that doesn't sound like confidence, okay? So a guy wants to believe that an organization has confidence in him. I think the same thing happened with Jameis, right? You didn't have a you didn't have an organization or a coach that believed in you, threw you under the bus after every game, and now you go to an organization where a guy can actually believe in you. You can sit down and learn and develop. And I feel like that's the same thing Carson needs. Carson needs a coach that believes in him, that is willing to be patient with him, and also put some pieces around him in order for him to succeed. You know, don't have to put everything on his shoulders. That's tough, you know, being a number one, number two draft pick in in the NFL draft. And, you know, you have the hopes and dreams of the organization. They feel like just by your mere presence, it's going to turn turn your organization around. So um, get this guy out of Philly. And um, I feel like he's going to thrive after that. Josh and Jesus, thank you very much for the $2 says Wentz will be with the Patriots next year. You know, that's a good spot for him, too. You know, I feel like that's a good spot for him, too. Uh, but I think I think that uh, the Indianapolis Colts, I look at Phillip Rivers, this might be his last season, his last hurrah. Um, so if you had a choice to try to get Carson Wentz or try to get Phillip Rivers, I'm going with Carson Wentz because, I mean, Phillip Rivers' uh, best days are behind him, not in front of him, and it's vice versa for Carson Wentz. So, I would I would say that I would see him in New England, but I feel like New England have some bigger fish to fry. Wouldn't surprise me at all they end up getting another quarterback in the draft because uh, we all know that Bill Belichick don't like to spend a lot of money. You know, he'll spend a little money on a little mercenary for like one year, but he he doesn't like to break the bank. You know, I mean, Tom Brady ought to tell you that, right? All the pay cuts he took over the years. Austin says Wentz doesn't get rid of the ball. It takes too many sacks. Well, Austin, you know, the issue is uh, our receivers getting open. Um, these guys aren't getting separation, and these aren't the creme de la creme of wide receivers, you know. You you got guys out here uh, that are running mediocre routes at best, can't get any type of separation, you know, kind of weak off the line of scrimmage. So he has to hold on to the ball, man. Too many Mississippis, uh, he got to hold on to the ball. So like I said, I mean, you go to an organization – that's well-structured. You go to an organization that has a good offensive line, a good running game, and you just have to go out there, uh, make some plays, and I just feel like he'll be more comfortable. And like I said, man, you know, you need confidence too. Like his confidence is shy. His confidence is very shy. Just just fired uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams. Well, he definitely deserves to be fired after that cover zero. Like, I, I mean, I would say I'm surprised, but I think as safe fans, we all know what the deal is, right? We've seen it in that divisional game against the San Francisco 49ers when he was blitzing every single play and Vernon Davis just drove the ball down the field. I mean, we know that he called that cover zero uh, when uh, Vernon Davis had that big game, you know, say uh, down the stretch, uh, you know, on that late that late game drive by the 49ers. So that that is definitely – uh, Greg Williams calling card. I mean, he definitely lives by the blitz, but we all know he indeed dies by the blitz. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I think Greg Williams is a really good defensive coordinator, but I think that sometimes he can be cocky, he can be arrogant, and he causes his team. 
I mean, sound like a perfect match for Sean Payton, right? Because <laughs> both of them have histories of doing that, right? Sean Payton with the play calling offensively, being a little bit too conservative, playing scared, uh, you know what I'm saying, and then being super aggressive when you don't have to be. It's the same way with Greg Williams, right? Greg Williams, good defensive coordinator, calls good plays defensively, but when it matters most, man, he cannot get out of his own way. So, uh, you know, that's a recipe to get fired, but – I mean, Greg Williams has a great pedigree, great resume, so he'll bounce back. He'll be back. Uh, Kentario says, "I feel like the Saints uh, to the game for uh, took the grant took the game for granted, but had to get it together." That's what I learned from this game. Look, it, it's not going to be per- perfection all the time. Okay, look, they definitely uh, made that game more interesting than what it was it was supposed to be. It definitely wasn't supposed to be that interesting. Uh, I, I think they they gave the Atlanta Falcons hope, especially when Taysom Hill fumbled that football. I'm not trying to beat up on Taysom, but I do understand about the power of momentum. Momentum is a real thing, who that nation. It's a real thing, okay? Um, one thing that I used to do when I was in college, right? You know what I'm saying? One thing I used to do in college, I used to act. I, I used to be in plays. And uh, we used to talk about the power of synergy, right? Synergy is when you, you know, saying you direct your energy from one vessel to another, right? So I'm coming with the energy. I'm projecting, right? And I'm delivering my lines like this. And it's going to cause the next person to deliver their lines probably with the same authoritarian manner, especially if we're like um, reading the lines that involve us arguing with one another, right? So it's one thing, you know, it's one thing to, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's about momentum, right? So let, let's just say if I deliver it low, all of a sudden somebody else is going to bring it down low, right? But if I bring it up, I'm going to bring it up. So the 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 momentum was in the Saints' favor, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it was high as that all-time high. So all of a sudden Taysom just delivered his lines flat. You know what I'm saying? It just killed the momentum. You know what I'm saying? It, it just killed it. So now, you know what I'm saying, like you're you're giving this other person an opportunity to raise it up. You know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what the Falcons did. You you gave them opportunity. You gave them a chance. You gave them hope. You know what I'm saying? So they drove it down the field. And not to mention, you know, I, I mean, if you, if you understand football, man, like, bro, these are human beings. And they do go in panic mode, you know what I'm saying? Especially like when a mistake happens, they do go in panic mode. And you know what I'm saying? They start to like just try to, you know, plug up the boat. You know what I'm saying? The boat has a little a hole in it. You know what I'm saying? They trying to, you know what I'm saying? They trying to plug it up, but water's still leaking in. Water's still leaking in. So I mean, Taysom Hill definitely uh, gave the momentum back to the uh to the Falcons and gave them hope. But just glad the Saints defense was able to uh you know, kill that synergy, so to speak. Uh, Bill Belichick, thank you very much for the $2, says, I'm a cheat, you know what? Okay, well, thank you very much uh, for the $2, Bill Belichick. I appreciate that. We definitely know that you ain't trying to break the bank for nobody. We've seen you give away some great players over the years because of it. Uh, Who that, TJ? Mad respect to what you do, my man. Taysom needs to hold on to the ball. It cost us points and almost cost us the game. Yeah, we talked about ball security earlier in the show. Ball security is very, very important. You know, shouts out to J.D. John DeShazer. Uh, he said it uh, on the show, on the post game show. He says, when you're carrying the ball, you're carrying the hopes and dreams of that team. 
You know, like you're, you're carrying these guys livelihood, the light, the water, the phone. That's what you're carrying. You know, so you can't just run it. You can't just be walking around, running around, holding that thing, holding it out there like you like you sweetness back in 1984. You know what I'm saying? Sweetness was the only one that could get away with holding the ball recklessly with that one hand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but you know, I mean, but even Walter Payton has some vice grip hands. You know, you can't just be holding that thing way out there. You know what I'm saying? You can't be having a broke chicken wing holding a ball like that, man. I mean, these guys are talented. They will, you know, they got a lot of power, a lot of strength. And you may be very, very strong, but these guys can get that ball out your hand. You got to be more responsible with the with the football, man. You can't be out there with the broke chicken wings. Uh, Trace McSorley is going to be MVP. Well, I definitely don't believe that, okay? But I like Trace McSorley. I've been following this guy since Penn State. Definitely was one of the guys that I feel like I was worn in the Saints uniform. I just like when he used to throw one of those home run balls. He used to hit hit it like that and look like that with it. You know what I'm saying? I used to like Trace McSorley when he was at Penn State. Always was exciting. Had those big uh, wide receivers to throw the ball to. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I just think that they got a lot of film on Lamar Jackson and he's not able to do some of the things uh that he did last year you know but i will say this uh you know lamar jackson has to be very very careful uh i i i'm seeing that lamar jackson has not developed and improved uh from one year to another and i think that's maybe uh one of the issues that's dealing you know with the baltimore ravens that and um you know some of the coaching decisions i mean not running mark ingram using dobbins uh, a little bit more Look, Mark Ingram, uh, I think that you should use him. I mean, he, he's a heart and soul of that team. And defensively, they're not what they once were last year. So uh, I just think that uh, Lamar Jackson has to develop as a quarterback, and uh, he, he has to put this team on his back. He can't just go out there and just want to be Michael Vick 2.0 or the second coming or whatever. You know, you can't be – you got to be able to throw from the pocket. You got to be able to make throws. You got to make sure that teams not only fear you as a runner, but fear you as a passer as well. Uh, McSorley is better than Wentz. Uh, I disagree with that, Austin. Uh, I just, like I said, I just think Carson Wentz's <clears throat> confidence is just shot. Uh, I love the hate. Everyone's saying we going to choke or asking if we going to choke that football. We shot ourselves in the foot each time and the refs didn't help. Hope they prove everyone wrong. Yeah, me too. You know, but look, I got a careful optimism when it comes to the Saints. Look, I understand that the Saints are good. I understand that the Saints are talented, but nobody breaks your heart like the New Orleans Saints. Nobody. Nobody breaks your heart like that black and gold team in New Orleans, okay? There's no other team that will break your heart by doing what they were supposed to do and not doing it, okay? So I just take it one week at a time. I have a very careful optimism. I'm glad that they're in the playoffs. But I am very, very concerned, you know what I'm saying, every time the Saints play, you know, because even though we look at it like, okay, they're going to do this, you know, I can't just emphatically say that, you know what I'm saying? I can't just say emphatically they like they just going to go out there and they're just going to do what they're supposed to do. They be making games way more interesting. They be, you know, just being super conservative sometimes. And I'd be wondering why they be ultra aggressive sometimes. And I'd be like, why? So. You never know what you're going to get, but in the playoffs, hopefully they can get the job done. I am pleased to announce that I will be coaching the old line uh, to build a wall of farts around Drew Brees. I realized that the combined stench 
will make defenders shy of pass uh, pass rushing. Well, Sean Payton, that's some good strategy right there. I don't care what you use. You can use a fart as a as a you know what I'm saying as a a, a line of a uh, protection for Drew, or you can actually coach up your own offensive line. Regardless, uh, let's just get this win. Let's just get this win. Okay, I don't care how you do it. Hey TJ, do you think uh, you guys choked this year? Uh, I really don't understand about the whole choking situation. I, I really don't. I, I really don't understand like the whole choking situation. Like people act as if the Saints aren't winning in the playoffs. Okay, I mean they win in the playoffs. Like I said, 2017 they beat the Carolina Panthers and they played the Minnesota Vikings. 2018 they beat. Yo, they, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles to play the Rams, and we all know what happened in that game. Look, choking is if, you know, you go out there and, you know, you have this big record. Like last year they choked, okay? I will, I will, I will comfortably say they choked, okay? But that Minnesota Vikings game, like Minnesota was like the best team. You know what I'm saying? They were like the best team that year. You know, them and the Philadelphia Eagles. Like the defense was like really, really good. They had a good running game. I, I don't know. You know, like it happens like that sometimes. But people act like the Saints just be one and done every year or something. You know, that's my definition of choking. And in 2018, like I said, they should have been in the Super Bowl. So I look at things completely different. You know, I look at things completely different from what other people see. But that's just the way that they do it. You know, I just think people look at the like the heartbreaking fashion in which they lose. You know, but 2018 wasn't they fault. And in 2017, that was just that was just horrible, you know. But if you look at the fact that how they were trailing mostly in that game and they only had to leave for like the last few seconds of the game, I mean, you know. RJ Mason said, Yes, bro, I was hurt every playoff game we lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were hurt, but I think that 2018 playoff game just hurt us the worst because we all knew what it meant. You know, you, you can't miss that call. Packers and Saints are the best two NFC teams, in my opinion. Well, um, I, I really don't buy with the Packers selling. Every single year, the Packers uh, play in one of the weakest and sorriest divisions in football, and they and they eat out of that division. I mean, all you got to do is win about six or eight games out of that division and, and, and you know, beat the other teams. But I just feel like the Packers, to me, you know, sometimes like luck is on people's side, you know, like, you know, sometimes the ball will bounce in there, you know, and, and they'll bounce their way or something to happen. You know what I'm saying? You fall behind backwards into success. The the Packers, like they'll play mediocre the entire game. They will play mediocre the entire game. Then all of a sudden, you know, the game will be like really, really close and the, and the team they're going up against a fumble of football or a throw interception or something like that late in the game and just give them the game. But yeah, like I said, luck is on the side of the Packers. I just feel like the Packers aren't really a threat. You know, I just feel like if you got a running game and I feel like they, they cornerbacks are not as good as, as, you know, advertised. I think you can throw on them and that man to man coverage. Like I really don't feel like they're about that life when they go up against elite competition. I'm gonna read a few more and then I'm gonna get up out of here, folks. Uh, Idris says, uh, it's J187. Yeah, but it's also Sean Play calling CJ a go, a good, tra- a good uh, trash talker and a good uh, CB. 
Well, he definitely a good trash talker. I don't know what he'd be saying to those guys, but he'd be under their skin. I'll tell you that. Austin says, so Aaron Rodgers has lucky comebacks. That's a lot of lucky comebacks. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, you got to account for the fact that he's, okay, he is a good quarterback. But, I mean, it just seemed like just stuff just bounced their way. Like, hail Marys, deep passes, dude fall down, all of a sudden the receiver catch the ball. Like, the uh, team will throw an interception, a team will fumble the football. Like, it, and it just gives them opportunities. And if you look at Aaron Rodgers, he don't turn the ball over and he, and he makes very little mistakes. So, if, if a team makes one mistake on the Packers, they end up losing the game. So, to me, it's like, you know, they just a they just a lucky team. You know, they're a good, they're a good team. I ain't gonna say they're great, but you know, luck does play a huge role in some of those Packer games. RPO making rookie quarterbacks look better early and getting huge contract extensions before the league catches up with them. Thoughts, TJ. Uh look. Shame on that team if they're not developing that quarterback. Like, if your quarterback comes out and he's good at RPOs year one and it gets them by, fine. But year two, you need to try to slowly start to get him away from that RPO stuff and transition him from, you know, being a, a quarterback in a pocket that runs when necessary. So if, you're, if your team is not developing players like that, then it's the team fault, not so much the player, because the player is is – excuse me, counting on a team uh, to make him develop as a player. And finally, Charles says, big defensive stop and quarterback fumble on that run play. Yeah, you know, I mean, definitely, you know, a good defensive stop, uh, especially uh, Demario Davis stopping Ty Gurley. That was huge. And shots out to the secondary making those plays. Uh, but I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, uh, giving the final thoughts of the New Orleans Saints versus the Atlanta Falcons game. And now we move forward to the Philadelphia Eagles game, man. Very intriguing storylines about who is going to start out there in Philly. Is it going to be Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz? The New Orleans Saints are looking for their 10th victory. Uh, I don't look at records uh, when, I'm, when I'm talking about a team because I know that any team can beat any other team on any given Sunday so the Saints uh, better uh, not uh, take the cheese. You know what I'm saying? They better not eat the cheese, so to speak. I mean, Sean Payton, he put the little metaphors inside of the, the locker. You know, he, he gave every single player on his team a basket of cheese, okay? And, uh, get, you know, the whole point of it was like, don't eat the cheese. You know what I'm saying? Don't believe your hype. The Saints have to go out there and they got to perform, man. You know, people will be talking about how good you is one week. Turn around, call your scrub the next, okay? So they got to make sure that they stay consistent down the stretch. But this has been the State of the Saints podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com, search the State of the Saints podcast, facebook.com, search the State of the Saints podcast, and previous episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And like always, all I got to say is, who that?